Well, thank you for listening today. This is Ken Feith, Metro Archivist. We are with uh, back in the day with the Metro Archives. Today, uh, just want to talk about World War One a little bit and some initiatives that are going on. You know, next week, uh, March. 21st uh, will be the 100th anniversary of Operation Michael, and it was the last big German offensive in the West. They had brought troops off the Eastern Front. Uh, they had a treaty with Russia, and so they could release many divisions off the East, and they sent them West. And so Germany hoped to win the war before America really got into it. Uh, the United States declared war the previous year in April, and we had sent uh, already by well, by this time, 100 years ago, there were about 350,000, 400,000 troops in France. And General Pershing had promised over a million by the end of the year. So Germany realized that um, they had to make this one final push. And this involved this push, though, involved a lot of American support. And in that American support, of course, were Tennesseans. And what I wanted to—we uh, have a great guest today, uh, Myers Brown— He's an archivist with the Tennessee State Library and Archives, and he's been working on a, an initiative of the State Library and Archives called Over Here, Over There, Tennesseans in the First World War. And we've invited him today just to talk about that a little bit, uh, some of the great things he's come across, some of the counties he's been to, and, and just uh, go from there. So, Myers? Ken, thanks for having me. Uh, to talk a little bit about the project, uh, this is based on a idea that we used for uh, the American Civil War, where we would go into communities and have uh, the the uh, local populations bring in their materials for us to either scan or photograph. Uh, and with the Civil War project, we got a great response from that and uh, lots and lots of material collected. And all this becomes part of an online exhibit that's on the State Library and Archives website. So we thought with the 100th anniversary of World War I, we might try to do something similar. Uh, now, with Civil War, we went to, or at least tried to go to every county. With World War I, we're making basically three to four stops per Grand Division of the state. Okay. And again, inviting um, Tennesseans to bring in their documents, their photographs, helmets, uniforms, weapons, and what we do is create a a digital archive of this material, uh, and that we then share with the world. Mm -hmm. So they'll and they, but they, if they bring something in for y'all to digitize, you, you give it back. You're just taking the a digital image. That's right. And what we try to do is people bring it in, and we try to get them in and out within an hour. Um, so we we uh, scan the documents, we scan the photographs, and then we photograph the three dimensional material. And again, they're sharing it with us, but in exchange, they get uh, archival quality scans of their materials or archival quality photographs. Uh, we return the materials to them, and not only that, we also provide them with a, uh, a CD that has their images on it uh, that they can do whatever they want to with. They can share them with family members. They can publish them. Heck, if they want to, they can put them on a T-shirt, yeah. print <laughs> yeah, it out, that's and pretty cool. do something with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, the, and so it's it's not necessarily, you know, if great-grandfather great was in the war somehow and you have some things, you can bring them in. It doesn't have to be something very significant or uh, battle-hardened, whatever, you know. It can be just uh, whatever they might have related to the their their 
grandfather's service or whatever. And it doesn't even have to be military. Uh, we certainly look for and encourage people to bring home front material from that time period. Uh, we, they don't even have to have been Tennesseans at the time. Hmm. Uh, if, as long as the family lives here now, um, that's the important thing to us. We don't turn anybody away just because maybe grandpa was living in Pennsylvania at the time. That That's mm-hmm. not uh, an issue for us. Um, and, and again, it doesn't matter whether he saw combat or never left the States or if, uh, uh, if maybe grandmother had served in the Red Cross, uh, we want that material as well. It just has to be connected to the First World War. Mm-hmm. That's our one hardline rule. It doesn't even have to be American um, for that matter. We've had some material come in that maybe the families uh, immigrated to the United States mm-hmm. after World War One. So the material may be British or French or Italian, uh, German. Um, That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So really uh, just for Tennesseans, but you could be a brand new Tennessean as long as it's right. related to World War One. Yeah. And and when we've done a couple of these projects uh, down close to the Mississippi line, we've actually had some people from Mississippi bring material in. So we don't t- really turn anybody away. Uh, but but we do, you know, it, it really is a state-focused uh, project. So and it's intended for the citizens of Tennessee, but we don't really turn anybody away. That's pretty cool. And it, uh, so it'll, it's uh, east, middle, and west. I guess it'll take... Um, counties in each one of those and you bring your things in and is it on the weekend during the during the week or how do y'all what's typical for that we we usually do it during the week uh, mainly because it's a little bit easier for us to work with staffing uh, to do it mm-hmm. uh, we usually take anywhere from six to ten staff members with us to do this project so it's wow. it's a it's a pretty big investment on our part uh, to do this um and usually in most communities, we will do uh, usually start around one or two o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. go into the evening hours, and then come back the next morning and do a couple hours in the morning, and then we head back to, to Nashville. Uh, the, the one thing that we do want to encourage people to do is make reservations. We, we advertise mm-hmm. these. We ask them to make a reservation so that they're not sitting there for hours waiting (laughs) to get their material back. And the other thing, too, is we do like to have original materials. You know, people may want to bring us photocopies of discharge papers. And while we may keep a copy of that, we really want original materials. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for original materials from that period, like 1917 to 1919, something like that. Go a little earlier, a little later okay. in that time frame. Um, we have to remember that there were some U.S. troops that were part of the occupation, so they didn't get back here until late in 1920. Um, some of these guys, too, um, and ladies for that matter, were involved in post-war efforts to rebuild parts of Europe. So mm-hmm. uh, we go forward and backwards uh, from that kind of focus of 1915 to 1918, a, a few years. That, this is a great program. I mean, it's um, it's it, you know it includes all pieces of this. And I guess you'll meet at you go to libraries or historical society, or a courthouse. Or it, it just depends on what the the situation is, I guess. Uh, Generally, our partners have been either uh, libraries, uh, local archives, or museums. Oh, okay. Okay. 
That's good. The um, and the counties you covered, um, you find a lot of people coming in, bringing a lot of things. I think I know it's a pretty successful program. I would think. Uh, so far, uh, we have made I think six stops. Uh, we have, in almost every instance, uh, filled our reservation slots up, and in addition to that, taken walk-ins as well. So the response has been pretty much overwhelming everywhere we've been. That's great. Um, we kind of launched the project as kind of a pilot to see how it would go at State Library and Archives in April of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we have done one in Franklin. Uh, we have done one in uh, Blunt County in Maryville. We've been to Jackson. We've been to Collierville. Uh, and we have others already scheduled. Uh, Chattanooga, we did Chattanooga back in mm-hmm. November. Um, lots and lots of material coming in. Okay, cool. Well, can you, can you, to some extent, can you help people identify what they've brought or give them an idea of what it might be related to? Or? We do. Uh, we try to help people identify their materials. Uh, some people... Uh, have a great idea about what they have. Other people are like, you know, this has been in the family. It's been sitting in a trunk. I don't really know what it is. Not even sure that it's World War One. Um, and so we we try to provide that expertise, help them identify it. Uh, the one thing we don't do is provide any values, uh, right? Because that kind of right. gets beyond sure. our expertise. But uh, we do try to identify it. And and what's been interesting is sometimes you have earlier stuff come in, you know, Spanish-American War, hmm. maybe a few Civil War pieces even kind of yeah. trickle in. Um, and then a lot of times, too, you'll end up with World War II material mixed in. And that's usually an indication that maybe it was a father served in World War One, and then the son served in World War Two, and over the years – the footlockers got jumbled <laughs> got, up, got jumbled. Uh, yeah. probably by some kid like me who was upstairs <laughs> playing in, in, in grandpa's yeah. stuff or, yeah. or or something like that. But uh, put that back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. And you know, there were a lot of uh, father son. I guess you know that's that's not that long a span between the two world wars. You know, yeah. Well, and in some instances, uh, a guy served in both. Uh, that's you know, pretty that, cool. Uh, we haven't had a lot hmm. of that, uh-huh. uh, but but there certainly were examples uh, in our nation's history of guys that served. MacArthur, Patton, uh, Eisenhower had all served in the First World War and also served in the Second World War, uh-huh. obviously. That's pretty neat. I know um, some of the things we've talked about before, um, you know, some of the, the unusual things, I thought you had a, you had a physician – that had served with a British regiment, which I thought was pretty cool, you know. Uh, yeah, this uh, this young man had uh, was from West Tennessee. He was from Somerville, Tennessee, <clears throat> and had uh, gone to Vanderbilt Medical School. And in 1915, he joins the Army Reserve Medical Corps. Hmm. And, and he's just a member there. He's not, you know, they're not real active. But mm-hmm. as soon as the U.S. gets involved, one of the first units that will be sent overseas will be our medical personnel. Uh, both the British sense. British and the French were desperate for, for doctors. Um, and so he arrives in England, uh, is, a, is assigned to the British Blackwatt Regiment, uh, ends up fighting alongside the Black Watch, is captured. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, ends up serving through the end of the war, taking care of not only the British prisoners that had been captured along with him, 
but also serving the wounded Germans. And uh, he, after the war, he, of course, repatriated back to the Americans, uh, goes back to Somerville where he's practicing medicine, eventually becomes the mayor of Somerville, Tennessee, <laughs> lives to be 100 years old. Good and the, the British never forgot his service alongside <laughs> the Black Watch because in his papers that came in uh, was a telegraph from the Queen of England uh, wishing him a happy 100th birthday. Good night. Really? Uh, so, you know, this this connection between those allies remained. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's really amazing. I mean, that's a story. That's a, that's a television show, you know. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, somebody have a... A life like that, and then um, you know they just go back to ordinary life, and they don't tell much about it, and then they all discover it. So I think this is a great program. You know, it really is. Uh, will it go on for? I mean, will it go through 2019 or 2018 or depending? Uh, we uh, we will continue on through 2019. Okay. Um, uh, at least part of the year of 2019. Uh, we have uh, so far scheduled. Upcoming events, uh, we will actually be back in Nashville in May for a kind of a short uh, little event at the Old Hickory Public Library oh, uh, on May 30th of this year. And we're doing that to kind of help that community celebrate the 100th anniversary of the DuPont Powder Works, <laughs> uh, which was yeah. the largest smokeless powder plant in the world. Uh <laughs> built for the American war effort, and about the time they get it finished, the war ends. <laughs> and uh, with the war to end all wars over, why do you need to make this much gunpowder? Yeah. So uh, the plant is shut down, and uh, the population of the town just kind of vanishes overnight. Of course, DuPont comes back later. Yeah. But uh, in an effort to uh, help that community commemorate that event, we will be there on May 30th. Uh, we will be in Cookville in November of 2018. Oh, wow. Uh, to do a project, um, uh, to do a digitization project in conjunction with the Tennessee Great War Commission, which is the statewide commission. And they will have a symposium going on there as well as a number of other events and uh, try to get people out uh, to Alvin York's home site, which is, of course, yeah. the state park. Yeah, I mean, that's a great state park. And, um November of this year will be the 100th anniversary of the end of the war. Right. So, yeah, it's be, it should be quite a celebration. Um, are y'all putting these things up now, or will there be a date for it to come out? Or We add material to the website mm -hmm. um, as we finish events. Now, uh, it takes a while, though. Uh, so we were just in Collierville, for example, two weeks ago. Don't go to the website uh, today and <laughs> yeah, expect that material to be is. up. It takes a lot of time yeah. uh, to edit the material, edit the information, uh, clean up the images. So it usually takes us uh, three to four months to get the images and everything ready for uploading to the website. That's pretty cool. So uh, this people can go to the, um, I guess, it's the Tennessee Secretary of State's website and find the TSLA and then or go directly to the State Library and Archives, I guess, and just see the project. Right. If you go to the Tennessee Secretary of State's uh, website, there's the main website for the whole department. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see the Tennessee State Library and Archives there. Just click on it. And when you come up to the State Library and Archives uh, homepage, 
If you scroll down ever so slightly, you will see uh, a little image there for over here, over there, mm -hmm. and you can just click on it and it will take you uh, to the uh, material that's been uploaded. That's but, pretty neat. And um, well, it seems like a great program. Um, and it's going to go through, did you say 1919, uh, 2019? Yeah. Roughly. Uh, yeah. It, it will end sometime uh, before June of 2019. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I guess um, any kind of, you're looking at um, anything related to the war, I guess. If somebody had a poster or they had captured money or they had whatever's in their possession, I guess. Yeah, whatever uh, material these. Originals. Yeah, original yeah. materials. Yeah. Um, like I say, we've had people bring in all sorts of things, uh, mm -hmm. uh, captured uh, German helmets, pickle hobs. <laughs> um, we've had, uh, I think, one of the more unique collections that, that came in was a, a few photographs of material that belonged to an Italian soldier hmm. um, who's who in, in a, ended up in well, ended up immigrating to the United States around 1923. Um, and uh, so that's how his family ends up being Americans. Uh, yeah. So they had held on to his his uh, materials from his service in the Italian army. And the Italians uh, fought a really big battle against the Austrians and really take the Austrians out of the war uh, and mm – -hmm. He was there, uh, so it's really kind of a neat little that? little, not a big collection, but I think one that's very interesting. Oh yeah, well that's what that's what's so neat about this is you're turning up things that, you know, normally are not seen or people don't have access to. Like, you know, if I'm looking on, uh, you know, I would never know about that unless I could go to you alls site and take a look. You know, and it's a pretty interesting look at. Um, our first truly global war, you know, and it's kind of fascinating to have all the countries of Europe tied into this, you know, and where people go afterwards. And I mean, that's pretty interesting to go from Italy and fight with Austria and then come to the United States and then wind up in the family winds up in Tennessee. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat, pretty neat for sure. Um, so this, um, I mean, and y'all go out to these places and set up, and then someone, uh, we, you announce it beforehand, I guess, and then make a reservation. What we usually do is uh, we, we advertise uh, in local newspapers. Uh, we send out notices through social media. Uh, we, of course, send out press releases and information through the Secretary of State's office as well. Mm -hmm. But really what really makes or breaks a successful event are our local partners. Mm -hmm. And the more our local partners uh, push this material or push the idea, push the event, the better response we get. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so far, we've had really good responses every everywhere. So. Well, that's great. I mean, it, it seems like it's with that, you know, it's a really strong program and it's, it's a great thing to have going in Tennessee. And uh, I'm sure I'm glad the State Library and Archives is doing this, you know. We need to we need to collect up and start recording these things, and that's the best way in the world to preserve it for the whole state. You know, the, it goes back to the family, or it goes back to whoever had it, and then um, the rest of us can see it and use it for research or whatever we want to do. You know, so it's a really great program, and uh, it's I guess it's a descendant of this one, and maybe there'll be more in the future. You know, you never know. You know, I we, mean, it sounds like uh, the success of this; it's been been really nice. Yeah, and we we really have uh, found that the the project is really beneficial for the state library and archives. Not mm -hmm. only do we gain this material, 
but it also gives us a presence in communities that uh, normally would probably not hear from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it creates a relationship with people across the state, which is very important for us, and uh, we have really enjoyed that. And uh, the other thing that has been of kind of unintended result of this is that we've gotten a number of uh, collections donated to us. That's great. Because uh, you know, people, some mm-hmm. people bring their materials in and say, you know, uh, this has been sitting in the basement or in the <laughs> attic for the last hundred years yeah. and nobody's ever seen it. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen to it once I pass away. You know, we need a good home for it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we've actually gotten some very uh, generous um Donations of materials out of it as well. Well, you know that's and which was never really our intent, yeah. but yeah, right, but right. but it has been a, a a benefit. Yeah, it's kind of a, a benefit, an offshoot of that, and uh, and that's really a nice thing to do. You know, yeah. I mean, the preserving it, and you know, it's taken care of if it goes to the state library and archives. So uh, that's a really neat um, aspect of that. Um, okay, well, uh, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything you want to? Y'all you want to add about the program or library and archives? I know y'all have got a lot of stuff going on, and um, uh, this one is uh, it's a great program. It really is. Well, you know, we really encourage people to start using these collections, mm-hmm. both the the Civil War digitization project and That's this right. one. That's right. Um, again, you can find them through the State Library and Archives website, and uh, we we really want uh, not just you know serious researchers, but just the average American uh, to get on there and use this material, um, uh, particularly students mm-hmm. uh, working mm-hmm. on projects. And you know, there's all kinds of little pieces of the bigger historical puzzle yeah. uh, that can be found there. And again, these are things that have normally not been seen in the last hundred years. And even when they were seen a hundred years ago, it had a much different imp- significance then than it does now. Uh, so we want you to explore it, uh, use it. And, you know, if you're a high school or college student working on a research paper, don't forget about this resource. Because uh, in both instances, both the Civil War Project and the World War One, these are truly primary sources because mm-hmm. these are original materials that you're looking at, although a digital copy, um, but still primary source material for – well, yeah, that's the beauty of this. It's primary source material. You know, where else are you going to be able to do, read letters from home from 1918 or or see these uh, flags or emblems or whatever is there? And it's it's a great research tool for just anybody. You know, you can just um, go to the website and there it is and look through it. And the same with the Civil War things. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal what y'all put together with this. And and yeah, it's it's great research and especially for high schools, you know. This, this is a great thing to push out for high school and college, and uh, it's available to everybody. Anyone can come and do the research, or you could just, if you just want to come and learn a little bit about either the Civil War or especially World War One, uh, and Tennessee's involvement in it, well, here you have it, you know, so right. it's it's great to have. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we're kind of winding down now in this kind of cold and flu season, but one of the things that was very important uh in 1918 was this massive flu epidemic. And what has been kind of interesting to me is to see how many soldiers in their writings refer to uh, the whole instruction camp of instruction where everybody's got flu 
or entire shiploads of guys headed to Europe come down with the flu. Um, you know, that's that's a kind of another thing that we didn't really think about when we kind of uh, took this adventure into this project was, oh, yeah, we also had this flu epidemic that hits the world at the same time that the First World War is kind of winding down. And, man, you talk about some primary source evidence uh, oh, yeah. for it. it. It's found in some of these writings of these soldiers that we've been collecting. You know, that's a really um, interesting aspect of the war is the influenza epidemic of 1918. And it's, it's kind of overshadowed by the whole war. But uh, you put all these troops together, they're in barracks, they're training together, soldiers in, in the field, that's obvious, you know, but you put all these people together and it really spreads that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, flu. So, yeah, and, and I guess people are kind of weakened, you know, and the elderly, everybody's having a hard time, of course, in Europe. So, yeah, it, um, um, the, the casualty rates, I guess, for that were pretty high, mortality rates. And... Um, uh, that's an interesting aspect of this that um, no one's really talked about for quite a while. You know, is the Spanish flu or the influenza the attack at the time is um, was pretty significant, really, and even in the United States, you know, yeah, especially yeah. our troops, you know. And, and I'm not certainly not an expert on the, the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918, but uh, from what I understand, it was particularly deadly for young men between the ages of 18 and 35. That's conveniently also <laughs> the same age of most uh, soldiers uh, that had been drafted into the American Army. So, uh, you know, you may have an older person contract that particular strain of flu and be perfectly fine after mm -hmm. a few weeks. But for whatever reason, it was particularly uh, deadly for that that age group, that demographic, and uh, and again, like you say, you've got all these thousands of men put together in barracks and tight places, and uh, it, it spreads very rapidly and and kills you know millions. Uh, you know, it's it's and, uh, that's of, pretty amazing that at that that um, that uh, target range is almost like the enlistments. You know, from eighteen to thirty-five. I mean, it's a, it's really uncanny that it, it would hit that group of people and you'd think you know those are these are the folks especially in the, the soldiers are going to be the peak of their physical shape you know and it just goes through these um, units and barracks and all that you know and and i can see why it was quite quite a thing at the time it still is but quite right. a thing at the time to, to stop you know yeah because it's hitting it's hitting right in where all your troops are going to be right know? yeah that's that's pretty amazing. That's a, that's a neat aspect of it that no one talks about. You know, that's kind of cool. All right. Anything else, my friend? Uh, we just uh, encourage again people to check out the website. If we're in your community, we uh, encourage you to participate. Um, we, you know, we we want to see your material. We want to to document your material. So uh, we certainly. Uh, we'll be free, uh, be happy to answer any questions and certainly appreciate uh, this opportunity to kind of talk about the, the program. Great. Well, listen, I appreciate your time today, and I want to thank uh, everyone for listening and have a great day. Mm -hmm.